Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always uh, by Nick Horwat, and we have plenty to get to on this episode. We'll talk about the Penguins' loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, their unfortunate missed call. Uh, we'll discuss whether or not we believe it actually was a missed call, but we won't get too deep into it because it's been a couple days. Uh, we're going to preview the weekend coming up for the Pens, going up against the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues, but there's only one story. There is only one person that we really need to talk about out the gate, and that is, of course, Chris Letang. Uh, Chris Letang is going to be out indefinitely due to the fact that he suffered a stroke on Monday. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is the second stroke that he has suffered in his lifetime. The first one uh, was in 2014, and it was caused by a hole in the wall of his heart, uh, a deformity that is common in a lot of babies at birth, but most of them close up over time, unfortunately for Latang, His hasn't. Uh, but fortunately, the news that we heard on Wednesday was this was a much less severe stroke this time around, and he was able to identify that he was feeling off, talked to Chris Stewart, they sent him to the hospital, and he seems to be in good spirits already asking if he if he can skate, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, obviously, the person comes before the player in this, and I shouldn't even have to say that, but uh, I've seen online that some people don't quite grasp that as of yet, but you know, you can only control what you can control, but it's good to hear that he's in good spirits. And uh, the last time this happened, he was out two months, but of course there's no rush in getting Chris Letang back. It's all about his future and his health as well. Absolutely. It's not about getting him back on the ice. It is about getting him back to full health as a, you know, a father, a family man. And, uh, you know, a friend just to these, to his teammates. It's more important than him stepping back onto the ice. It is more important that it is more important that he is healthy than it is for him to uh, play again. I mean, sure. We're all going to be wondering just because he is probably the most well-conditioned player on the team. We're all going to be wondering how could this, A, how could this happen in the first place? And then B, uh, when can he come back? Because let's just be honest, that question's going to come up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it already has. And, it's going to come up a thousand times until it happens. Um, I will say though that, you know, Hextall seemed to be in a pretty good mood given the whole situation. I mean, he was, he said he was shocked at how um, positive Chris was taking it and how, uh, you know, just in good spirits, he was um, asking to skate again. Mike Sullivan said the hardest part of his day was keeping him off the ice during practice. And um, it's, quite impressive that uh, he was able to you know go through that sort of diagnosis and come back in a couple days and immediately want to play again um it's good that he was able to notice it um no also knowing that it is it was much better i guess and you know not as bad i guess i should say Mm -hmm. uh than the last one because i didn't i haven't looked back into the old one um but just from what has brought it back in my memory he wasn't he like found like laying on his bedroom floor or something like it was a horrific scene apparently um and that's just about looking it back up and i will look back into it eventually but uh i just remember i remember it being pretty scary uh he was 26 you know now he's 35 and uh still both ages very young to be having a stroke but um it's good that he's healthy good that he's doing well and good that for all, for all that it seems, he could be coming back soon. I mean, I <laughs> one thing that I just that I realized late last night is uh, he wasn't moved to LTIR or anything. 
You know? Not yet, no. I mean, as, if it comes today, it comes today. But, you know, you'd think that that's something that would happen yesterday, maybe, or letting it settle in. Maybe they're doing it today with a retroactive. I don't know. But as of right now, as we record this, he's still not. And you can kind of make that move whenever. Um, so it's an interesting, that's an interesting little piece there. I mean, if they're certain he can come back soon, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm assuming it'll come down the pike eventually, though. I'm sure what they're doing right now is evaluating where he's at, where his health stands, and the risk of this happening again if, if he pushes it. Uh, but you have to imagine that he does. I mean, he did miss two months the first time around, but of course, they said that was a much worse situation. Of course, the first time is going to be much worse because at the age of 26, and you mentioned he's one of the best conditioned penguins. He's one of the best conditioned athletes, I would wager, in the entirety of North America. Like all North American sports, Chris Letang is high up there when it comes to conditioning, health, wellness. So uh, it, it just proves that, you know, this can happen to anyone. Life is very, very fragile. And it doesn't matter how prepared you are or how athletic or, or healthy you are, you know, freak things happen and especially health wise. So everybody, of course, this is a really good indicator. And Latang said so himself in a statement. This is a good indicator. If you feel off, trust your instincts, just make sure you're getting checked up, make sure you're taking care of yourself and realizing when things are going wrong, that you need to get help uh, and speak out and say something. So that goes for, for everybody, not just athletes. So uh, it's, it's a good lesson in awareness and knowing yourself and knowing when to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it, we're going to keep going back to what Sullivan and Hextall said, I think, just because what they said was so important. I mean, one of the first things Sullivan said during his little uh, presser was stroke is a scary word. And it is. It is. I mean, <clears throat> any of those sorts of medical terms or those words aren't aren't uh, fun to hear. They're mm -hmm. not fun to deal with. And they're not fun to hear coming from, like we keep saying, someone as fit and in shape as Chris Letang or you know, as important as he is to the team and to the city, it's, um, it was a, uh, it was a moment for sure. I mean, the, I, we were in like, no one in, among the media, I mean, maybe not no one, but like most of us had no idea, um, until that tweet was sent out. And I mean, whenever we were in the locker room, you know, trying to toward the end of the media availability and then you know, Evan Shaw walks in, is kind of a little frantic, just like, hey, everyone needs to be out of the locker room by like this time specifically for a meeting, you know. Uh, so we're all walking to the media room, and as we get there, pretty much the tweet goes out, and you could just feel the silence hit the room. It was pretty ominous, but uh, it was quickly kind of bounced back whenever everyone spoke, realized that. Chris is going to be okay. There shouldn't be any lasting effects. And so far, all the tests are coming back positive. So mm -hmm. um, that's where everything is right now. That's where everything stands. Like I said, you know, they're going to continue to test them. They're going to continue to evaluate them. Um, as of right now, there's no LTIR move. And um, everything looks positive for the time being. And the hockey questions will now start to be asked, like, what's next for A, the team, and B, is there going to be a play for Tanger situation? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we'll have to keep our eye on that. But as you mentioned, you know, sharp right turn here. There is a future to there are games to be played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, there is a very big hole in, in their defense now without Chris Letang there. Obviously, he means so much to the blue line, so much to the team in general. Uh, it's going to be difficult for them to to replace him in the lineup. Um, by, by no means should he be rushing back for that reason. Uh, he should take his time as much time. It, you know, honestly, when I saw it, I immediately thought that's it. You know, Chris Letang, it's age of 35. It's tough to come back. But uh, with all results looking positive, uh, with the fact that it came out, I didn't even really, I didn't want to see that yesterday. I didn't really care about, you know, it's not career threatening. I was like, I just, I just want to know whether or not it's life threatening. Like that's, that's what matters. But uh, apparently it's not career threatening. He he could make a return this season. Uh, we'll just have to keep our eyes on that. But with games to be played, of course, tonight they're taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you look at the defense moving forward. They have six guys already up on the NHL roster, uh, and they deployed them on Tuesday as such. Dumoulin Petrie is the first pairing. Pedersen Ruda as the second pairing. And Joseph Ruedel as the third. You mentioned that they haven't put Latang on IR or LTIR as of yet. If they do, it's a minimum of, I believe, 10 days or sorry, 10 games, 24 days that he would have to be on there before he's able to be uh, pulled out. And they can make it retroactive to uh, the last game that he he played, which I believe would be Saturday then. But uh, we did see Mark Friedman get the healthy scratch on Monday against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So there is a chance uh, not against for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So there is a chance that he likely gets called up. Uh, in the meantime, just to give the Penguins a seventh defenseman. Yeah, I forgot about the Mark Friedman thing. I thought it was for uh, – I could be wrong. I thought I saw the word COVID illness in a tweet about it. Um, Non-COVID illness. Okay. Hmm. Um, I mean, so and he the, wasn't a healthy scratch. I just saw, I, I just saw yeah. Taylor Haas's tweet that he was not in the lineup. Yeah, that's the one I was pulling up to. It's um, out of the lineup. Uh, with a non-COVID illness, and again, okay. that was before we knew uh, the Crystal Tank situation. As she said, that uh, it was not related to that absence, okay. but still, anything is possible mm-hmm. uh, because Mark Friedman seem would seem to be the first uh, the first choice there. And if we have to make a call for a defenseman, I mean, it's weird to say maybe it's the Ty Smith time, but at the same. In the same grasp, though, it's which side of the ice are we playing on here because they're opposites, and there's a lot that has to go into this. Um, but I think uh, anything's possible. And again, until we get a real move on the Latang situation, uh, I'd say we're kind of rolling a lot right along right now. I expect something to come out come down today, though. Yeah, it is interesting with Ty Smith. That's that's kind of what I I started to think. If Latang is going to be out for an extended period of time. I'd like to see Ty Smith, and I know you have to be patient, and the Penguins preach patience with these guys that they're trying to basically just restart their careers three years in. Uh, I I understand that we might not see him, but this seems like an opportunity that with Letang out of the lineup, one thing Letang brings to the Pittsburgh Penguins that not really anybody else on that defense core, I mean, a little bit by Joseph, a little bit more from Petrie, but we haven't seen it this season, is that offensive kicking side. And Ty Smith has that in spades. So if you're looking for something like that on the blue line, look no further than Ty Smith. But at the same time, you don't know what the plan is for him. They probably have one in place that is not, oh, let you know, we lost Latang. Ty Smith automatically comes up. But I would like to see him get a little bit of run at the NHL level here. 
uh, during this stretch, however long it may be. Yeah, this seems like it's going to be the most opportune time because you're going to fill in the need of offense on the blue one. Although, to be fair, Letang, while leading the team in, or while leading the defense in assists, uh, not scoring, um, not getting yeah, he hasn't scored well he doesn't shoot very much yeah he hasn't had his shooting touch this year i mean the whole the defense as a whole needs to start finding a little more offense let's just start there yeah. that is with Latang in the lineup as well the whole defense needs to start scoring a little bit more you know that isn't just goals obviously that is also picking up some assists here and there i mean is it still yeah isn't jan ruda still leading him and jeff petrie both have three goals Mm-hmm. Jan Ruda is your choice there. Okay. No, that's not how that's going to work. But I, I mean, offense from the blue line anywhere would work. Um, Ty Smith does seem to be the easy, the easy replacement to take over for the offensive production lost by Latang. But mm-hmm. I, that just is all up to the management. And I, I think I, regardless Friedman or Ty Smith is a fun choice. You know, we, we know what we're getting with Friedman. We're getting a fun hockey player who can, um, get under the opponent's skin, which is something we need a little bit more of at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're crushing teams and hits, but we're not um, taking them off of their game. We're just kind of, it's all be- it's all between the whistles, not after. We need a little bit more of that after. And then there's Ty Smith, who can come up and immediately be that offensive force on the blue line to help take over for some lost numbers. Either choice is a good option, I think. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, how much people beg and plead for Ty Smith to make, to make the NHL again. Yeah. And like I said, I'm sure they have a plan and they're going to stick to the plan. Um, there's probably, you know, probably a time and place in which they want Ty Smith to make his Penguins debut at the NHL level. And, and they're probably going to stick to it. You know, I, I know that this is certainly a, a situation that they did not see coming. They could not have forecasted coming. So I, I know sometimes plans get thrown out the window when something like that happens, but, you know, I would I would like to see Ty Smith, but again, with with, with Mark Friedman, he's played I believe two or three games, uh, maybe at most three uh, this season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. As you look that up right now, I'm assuming. Um, but he's a guy that he's really good with underlying numbers. He goes out there, he plays physical. He's like he's like Josh Archibald. And I know you said you know maybe you need to get somebody that plays a little bit more in between the whistles. I really don't care for that uh, at this point. The the league has kind of shied away from that. You can see in the way that, you know, a guy like Ryan Reeves is getting tossed around the league at this point, you know, there's a lot less of a need for that. And I I don't think the Penguins need somebody like that, but I do think they need somebody else um, to get out there and play physical. And it's, it's in hits, not in the fact that, yeah, you're knocking, you're knocking guys down. You're, you're leaving guys days. It's just separate people from the puck. And that's something the Penguins don't do very much of not very many players on their roster, uh, play to separate players from the puck physically. They they mostly play to do it with their sticks. And that is something that, you know, I grew up learned, being taught how to do. You know, if you want to get the puck off of somebody, you hit them. And the Penguins, a lot of the time, they, they go and they try to make the stick play and, and play aggressively that way. But your Jason Zuckers, your Josh Archibalds, your Ryan Palings, Teddy Blugers, they play that physical type of game. And Mark Friedman will just add to that list of guys that play that way. Yeah, he will. And more or less, I said uh... – Freeman would add to the between the whistles because I mean he hasn't played a game yet this year with us. Let's oh really? He's just oh been, I guess he he's called up to be a healthy scratch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he hasn't played a game yet with us this year. But in the twenty six he had last year, he only recorded twenty seven hits. So that's just over a hit a game, which I mean pales in comparison to what Josh Archibald's been doing. That's yeah. why I was looking at 
Friedman as the guy who can play strong defensively, but will get under your skin in other ways rather than just throwing the body around. Mm-hmm. He'll do the he'll do the after the whistle thing for you, and he'll be a little tougher. It's uh, like I said, we're crushing teams in hits. We have no problem throwing the body. I mean, Josh Archibald took over right where Zach Astoreth Zach Astoreth let let off. Mm-hmm. I think Pedersen had like ten in a game at one point this year, or maybe that was shots. I don't remember. Pedersen's getting a little feisty. This like this team has no problem throwing hits. I have to mm-hmm. see where they stand among the league, but. I mean, it's Josh Archibald's got 81 right now. Petrie has 70. Zucker's got 60. We have no problem. It's a matter of being tough after the whistle and not, um, and just being tough in general, tougher in general. Like we're getting these hits, yeah, but being tougher and then adding on the great the defensive play that you're discussing, mm-hmm. that's something Mark Friedman can bring. Don't yeah. know what Ty Smith can do with it. Yeah, listen, I'm not saying don't stand up for your teammates. That's what you need to do, and I think that's what you're getting alluding to, that if, if, if the scuffle happens, Sidney Crosby shouldn't be the guy to go out there and stand up for everybody. It needs to be somebody else on the ice. And yeah. uh, I understand that that aspect of it, uh, but also there's that, that, that flip of the coin, and we saw it rear its ugly head on Tuesday. We'll talk about that right after this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We kind of teased this heading out of the last segment that, listen, sometimes you got to stand up for your teammates and the Penguins don't always do that as well as we would hope them that they would do. But sometimes the flip of the coin when you go out and try to do that, it kind of bites you in the butt. Jeff Petrie on Tuesday in overtime you saw what happened to Brian Rust, dirty or clean, penalty or not, missed call or not. Petrie goes over and goes after the guy. You have to understand the situation where, listen, I understand you want to stand up for your teammate and Brian Rust. He got hit. It looked awkward. Uh, we could debate until the cows come home whether or not it was clean. But you go and you try to take that guy out. You're the only defenseman on the ice guy, and it's three on three. Two on O comes down, and you lose the game. At the end of the day, I understand you're standing up for your, for your teammate, but you have to make sure that that whistle is blown. You have to make sure the play is dead because it wasn't. Russ stood up and, and threw his hands in the air. He stopped playing. That was a horrible look on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I understand. Yes, you want to stand up for your teammates. I get that. I commend that. But you have to do it in an intelligent way because at this point of the season, you got to continue playing to the, to the whistle, and, and that's something you learn in, in mites that you got to play to the whistle. Jeff Petrie didn't, and it cost the Penguins a point in the standings. Yeah, let's not even just say Jeff Petrie didn't. Jeff Petrie didn't. Brian Russ stopped the play as well after getting yeah. hit, and Jeff Carter just kind of looked lost. I mean, he kind of stopped skating as well. All three of them didn't know what to do, and there was all there was so much to unpack with that play. The hit happens. Mm-hmm. Was there maybe four hurricanes on the ice? 
Yeah, maybe, but at the same time, they were holding one on. Like he, Seth Jarvis was not able to get off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not going to get called. The the hit, you know, is so much to talk about just in the hit itself. Was it a boarding? Was it clean, dirty? Whatever it was. Um, everyone gave up on the play except for the two that scored. And that's kind of all that matters in the situation. Or Yeah, the two that went down on the 2-1-0. That's kind of all that matters in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't the greatest of looks. Now, Sullivan said after the game that he disagreed with the call, said it was a dangerous hit, and you can say it was a dangerous hit, yeah. Um, but I will say that the team seemed to be much more – seemed to look at it way more positively than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got. I guess you got to give the situation of uh, they scored with six, they scored on a six on five. They scored with their goalie pulled. That was a net positive right mm-hmm. there. Um, and something they don't normally do, but yeah. they've been working on. So everyone was happy about that. P- a Petrie shot tip from Gensel. The, and also they almost whenever Jari first got pulled, if the Canes weren't offside, we're not even having this discussion. Mm-hmm. They got tripped offside somehow. I don't remember how, but. Um, that kind of saved the Penguins a little bit there. And they were able to go back down and score that six on five goal to force the overtime to force our conversation. And, you know, I'm not going to say that whole six on five situation was squandered thanks to the overtime, thanks to the new, you know, uh, crack in the hole, crack in the hole that came with the hit in overtime. But, um, there was a lot to unpack in that whole last mm-hmm. five minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And, and and listen, you know, they salvaged a point. They were at least able to salvage a standings point against a division rival. That's big. That's really big. But considering the fact that they, I believe, in my opinion, they outplayed the Carolina Hurricanes for large portions of that game. Uh, Pyotr Kochetkov looked looked really good, and I thought the Penguins just weren't able to really capitalize on the looks that they were given. Um, but I do think overall they played a really good game against a really good team. Um, and you salvage that point and, and you take it for what it is. It's the pity point, but man, you have to imagine if, if they don't stop playing there and they don't give up the two on O, you have to imagine that they're able to pull away with that victory. And, and, and it just hurts at the end of the day, because you're just trying to gather standings points where you can. And, and you had all that momentum and, and it just ended up going towards nothing. I mean, but the pity point, yes, but at the end of the day, uh, you wanted the two and you didn't get it because you stopped playing, and that's that's the way I see it. And as far as the hit is concerned, uh, at live it looked really dirty. Like yeah. live hit, it looked dirty, and I understand that that's when the refs make the call. Uh, but I, I guess he might have been in a really good position to see it because over the replay, it then becomes borderline for me. And, and at the end of the day, um, I think I've said it multiple times on this podcast. Uh, I've certainly said it multiple times in my life. Uh, when watching sports, when playing sports, and this was told to me by my dad, you just you don't leave it in the hands of the refs because nine times out of ten, they're going to screw you. And, and at the end of the day, it's your fault for leaving it up to the guy in stripes uh, to make that judgment call. You shouldn't leave no doubt if you're going to win the game. And then it, other other anything other than that, you can't complain. That and st- the stripes have been on one in Pittsburgh recently. I mean – been on one in every sport everywhere i mean look at the world cup for for instance jesus wow. that's the world cup what do you expect they're all getting paid off i'm talking the i just that whole toronto game was an interesting officiating game i mean mm-hmm. 
I know it worked in the Penguins' favor, but DeSmith's net was off for like 30 seconds on a power play. The, yeah. the Leafs were in the zone, and the net was off. Nothing yeah. called. Um, and then some other questionable missed calls or calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that, it, yeah, you don't want to leave it up to the refs, absolutely. But at the same time, man, just these last few games, he's, I, they quickly got off the ice, by the way. They quickly got off that ice. There was a bad missed call beforehand, too. I remember the there was a couple of weird offside misses. Mm-hmm. Um, fans were already not happy with them. Mm-hmm. And then that play happens, and they they got off the ice as quickly as they could. I mean, I'd have to look back. Maybe that's the refereeing crew that was in uh, New Jersey. It, uh, <laughs> they, oh. did, they, they were getting... They were getting slight PTSD from what happened in New Jersey, getting stuff thrown at them uh, during the Toronto game that ended the uh, the Devils' long winning streak. But uh, here, do you want the officials' names? <laughs> I mean, I don't know who I don't know who was officiating the New Jersey game, so. and I have not heard of any of these four names, so you're not too uh, caught up in it. But I mean, they quickly got off, and yeah. if that's the case, why are you making that mistake again? Then? I mean, I don't even remember what happened in New Jersey. I just remember three, them being uh, three three. Oh, was the three disallowed goals. That's right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but listen, again, they were all borderline. Yeah. Borderline calls, 50-50 calls that if you would have not left it up to the referees, probably uh, would have had a much better outcome. But I digress. We can argue about this till the cows come home. But one other thing I wanted to talk about with that game is uh, Kasperi Kapanen. Considering everything that's happened in three days, everybody's forgetting about the fact that Kasperi Kapanen, uh, yeah, I mean, duly so. Uh, has drawn back into the lineup, got in on Tuesday for the first time in, I believe it was like seven games, six, seven games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that one game that he actually did get in was, we're going to put you on the fourth line because somebody else is sick and uh, we need 20 bodies. And you're you're there. So yeah. they, they, they put him in. He only played seven minutes of ice time against the, the Canadians in that game, but gets back in on Tuesday. Uh, Denton Heinen sits in favor. Heinen had been struggling kind of basically invisible for the the better part of this month so yeah you try to kick something up with Heinen you try to see if Kasperi Kapanen can can rebound and can answer the bell and when I watched the game I would say it was 50-50 half the time I was like this is he's nothing's changed like nothing has changed he's not aggressive on the forecheck he's taking really shorter shifts uh, but that might have been the plan you know you never know they could have said listen don't get out there for longer shifts because that's when you get into trouble defensively, and that's when you become a liability. So they're, they're saying, pull the plug early on all your shifts. We don't know. Uh, but I did think that the other 50% of the time, that he looked pretty good. 12.55 of time on ice, three shots on goal for him, three hits for him. He even got some power play time, and he had some pretty decent underlying numbers. I'll get into that uh, in a couple minutes. But what did you think of Kasperi Kapanen on Tuesday? Uh, once he... It- he didn't do much until he got his first shot on goal, and then you started to notice him out there a little more often. Mm-hmm. Um, the opportunities weren't the greatest, but he was made, taking advantage of uh, small openings and creating some chances for himself, and I think that was the most important part is creating his own chances. I mean, there was no reason why he should have gotten a shot off from his knees mm-hmm. while spinning, whatever the hell that play was. No reason why he should have been able to do that, but there he was. Um opening up a chance for himself and creating something for himself, which is something he needs to do desperately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't totally hate the game. I think uh, something still has to give in terms of getting the monkey off the back and really finding a game that's a little more consistent. I mean, he had five points in the first five games of the season. 
we all thought, hey, you know, maybe something can happen with this. He hasn't scored since. Mm-hmm. Not a not a goal, not an assist, nothing. Um, I'm sure, that's kind of handicapped by being a healthy scratch in nine of the last ten. But I mean, still, mm-hmm. um, you know, something's got to give eventually. Maybe something pops in for him tonight. I mean, we have to start asking the question though. At one point, do we start wondering if the line mates are the issue here? Is Big Jeff Carter the big Jeff problem? Mm-hmm. Is Brock McGinn, was he just kind of making up for everything that he could? Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, oh boy, I know he's not his line mate, but what the hell has happened with Brian Rust? That's a whole different conversation that I just remembered. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's certainly something else that we have to get into at a later date. But with Kapanen, I mean, you bring up Jeff Carter. One goal in his last 16 games right now, and that one goal was an empty netter. It's just not good enough from your third line center. It, it really isn't. And I, I tweeted this out on Tuesday. I said, listen, Dan Heinen, deservedly so, getting a healthy scratch here. Like, he he earned that healthy scratch. Uh, and it probably would have happened earlier if it wasn't for how bad Captain was before he sat. Um, but Carter is not exempt from that. Like, Carter has been almost as bad. The only difference is Jeff Carter plays center and, and kills penalties, whereas Danton Heinen doesn't do either of those things so it's it's a lot easier to to scratch Dayton Heinen and a lot easier uh, to fill the the vacancy of Dayton Heinen the way that he was playing and the position that he was playing so yeah trust me Jeff Carter is is not exempt from uh from from my eyes at least and in, in, in I believe that he needs to be a much much better now I will say statistically analytically Carter and Kapanen were pretty good on Tuesday like I know it might not seem like it for Carter, but he led the team in expected goals percentage. <laughs> Kapanen was second on expected goals for at five on five. Kapanen had 72% of the expected goals when he was on the ice. Carter, I believe, was at 74%. If you play at that level, which I'm not going to say that they're going to be able to consistently play at that level because I don't believe it, but if you play at that level, eventually it has to start going in. As long as you take your shots, and I mean, they had 50% of the shot attempts in that time and 60, 66% of the actual shots uh, when they were on the ice. If you can do that, that's good for the team. Because guess what? That means you're not giving up goals. And, and that's where Jeff Carter was. He wasn't scoring, and he was giving up goals, and that third line was getting caved in. It was at a point where you're deploying your fourth line for more time than you're deploying your third line. That should never be the case, especially when that fourth line is Bluger, Paling, and Josh Archibald. But at the end of the day... If they told Kasperi Kapanen to go out there and play exactly like Josh Archibald plays, considering how much more natural talent Kapanen has, that's probably the player you want him to be. Yeah, yeah, probably because they're <clears throat> probably because uh, you know Kapanen's a step faster, and that's saying something because Josh Archibald's got some wheels recently. Definitely has a better shot, but I mean Josh Archibald. The one thing about his play that Kapanen could learn from is Josh Archibald has no breaks. He's got no breaks. He's going to use you or the wall to stop and turn. Kapanen, on the other hand, loves his breaks. It's like Tex from uh, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to remember. Yeah, he he loves his breaks. Mm-hmm. loves slamming on those breaks, creating that giant snow pile, and then kind of losing all the momentum he had. Kapanen just continues to skate forward and just uses body positioning. And he's he also has a bigger build than... Uh, Josh Archibald, which isn't saying much, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He's going to fly through guys. He's going to fly through guys. So take full advantage of just get the, just honestly, just 
People say unhitch the wagon. Unhitch that brake pad. Just get rid of it. Just mm-hmm. fly through, guys, if you need to. Um, and create those opportunities. Keep doing what he was doing and creating opportunities because that's perfect. That's golden. That's exactly what he needs to do. Now it's finding that extra step of confidence. I saw a stat too somewhere. I think it was just like on the TV broadcast and I glanced at it. Captain had the fastest recorded speed of the game. We know he's fast, man, but he needs to get everything else in line. Mm-hmm. He needs to start playing like there is no tomorrow for him in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization because uh, there might not be if he continues to play poorly. Uh, but we'll have to track his progress and see if he uh, remains in the lineup or if he just gets a couple of games here to uh, to get Danton Heinen back on the horse. But let's really quickly talk about the, uh, the month of November because it is December 1st. Uh, the first full calendar month of the National Hockey League season is done. The Penguins went 7-4-3. and three in the month of November scored 3.36 goals per game, which is pretty good, but allowed 3.14 goals allowed per game, which is not great. Uh, And the worst stat of all about the month of November, 30 calendar days. What is it? 14 games, four power play goals. Not good. That is certainly the biggest problem with the Pittsburgh Penguins. (laughs) Straight up. No idea what to do to fix it. I have nothing anymore. Nobody does. Literally, nobody has any idea how you fix this power play unit. You have that many good guys, good players on your team. There's no reason for them to be this bad. It feels like we've tried it all. I mean, we really haven't, but it feels like we've talked about it all. It feels like we've discussed um, discussed the idea of just simplifying the game, shooting the puck more. All right, cool. And then we saw them do that once. Granted, one of them was a five on three, but... You took advantage of the five on three. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like things were okay. And now look what you can do whenever you simplify the game. Now just get the pucks on that a little more. Maybe something comes of it. And that stopped. Mm-hmm. Then we started overpassing. And then just something. It's not even like we're able to get passes off anymore. You know, that's what I've noticed from the last few is that they're immediately kicking around and out of the zone. And also, why the hell was it? Is it staying out there? Is that first unit staying out there the entire two minutes? Yeah. Ricard Raquel leaves the team in shots. Well, I mean, is he the answer? We have no more answers. It, does Raquel help something? Brian Russ needs to be pulled from that first unit immediately again. That didn't take long. It took what? A game back? Nope. Yeah. Gone. Just switch it back. It's quite a bit needs to be figured out with this power play. And quite honestly, it's hard to find the good answers because there aren't any. We're trying it all. We've simplified it. We've shot more. We've tried to stop passing. We've we uh, did two defensemen for a minute to give that to have Petrie, you know, uh, promote shooting. Which again, with this Latang absence that we're about to hit, maybe something comes from Petrie on the first unit because we know he's going to take that spot. And he's going to shoot more. Maybe something pops. Who knows? But for now. Something needs to get figured out. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins power play is certainly an area of issue. Uh, biggest area of issue if you're looking at this team from the outside. Uh, but the month of November, I mentioned at the start of this, it's a, it was a roller coaster. They lost five of their first seven games. Then they won five straight, and now they have lost their last two. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, maybe a little bit more consistency in December. Maybe, maybe that's what we see. A little bit more on the consistent side of things. That's all you can hope for. Just something consistent. Well, we'll see if they can start it off on a good note. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll preview this weekend slate for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Uh, the Pens have two games in three days here, which is definitely better than the three games in four days that they had for the previous couple of weeks. Uh, but both games at home, they'll take on the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis. The Pittsburgh Penguins, weirdly enough, Horwat, have been rather not good at home. Like it, it, when you think of the Penguins, you think, okay, they're a good home team. They get it done on the road. That's how most professional sports teams are. And the Penguins have, have usually been no different. They're usually really good at PPG Paints Arena. But mm-hmm. this year, 4-3-2 and two at the old paint bucket. 1-3-2 and two in their last six games. And transversely on the road, they're 7-5-2 and two this season, but 5-0-1 oh, in their last six away from home. Uh, so I, I know there's not much to say about, you know, why are they playing so differently at home versus away? Because it's, it's the same team. Most of the time it's based, the game plan is based on who you're playing, but why is it, if you can pinpoint any reason that the Pittsburgh Penguins have struggled on home ice this year? Man, part of it might, I, a lot of it falls back on, they're just not getting shots on net. It is kind of the style of play. I, I can't necessarily use the, use an answer that has anything to do with home or away ice. Uh, it's quite simply, they just, they're, they keep going these long stretches without shooting the puck. It happened against Carolina. Um, you know, yeah, they may have outplayed Carolina at certain points, but they had eight shots in the first period. This, like, I texted you and asked you, how how many shots on average should a team have in a period? Because the Penguins are not meeting that ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was 11 minutes between shots in the first period of the Leafs game. There's They're not getting pucks on net, and, not, and when they do – they're it's not really you're not really aware of it they're not dangerous chances they're just kind of shots to the chest but when it comes to why they're winning or losing on home ice man i couldn't tell you i haven't seen them win since the king's game that one win at home noah went to which by the way thank you again noah but damn (laughs) yeah no a, a lot of the shots and it hasn't just been on home ice a lot of the shots in general for the penguins over the last couple of weeks even when they were winning games were were one and done shots yeah. You need to get rebound opportunities. You need to crash the net. And, you know, we talked about Kapanen. That's something that he doesn't do very well. Uh, so he needs to start doing that. But, like, look at your Josh Archibalds. Look at your Ryan Palings. Look at your Teddy Blugers. I, I don't think Blugers scored a goal yet. But look at the other two. Where have they scored their goals? Basically touching or sniffing that blue paint. Why? That's where most goals are scored because that's where most opportunities are. That second, third chance opportunity when a goaltender has made a save and now is out of position or is not fully in position – that's when there's there's more open chances. So the Penguins, in my opinion, need to get back to getting those second, getting those third chances because, you know, it's great getting that deflection goal. It's great when you have Sidney Crosby who beats the guy to the front of the net and just shoots the puck in basically with nobody tw- between him and the goaltender. But those chances are few and far between. Teams are good defensively. And deflections, listen, deflection goals, even though Crosby and, and Gensel and especially a guy like Joe Pavelski make it look very easy. It's very difficult to score in those deflection goals because you don't know where the puck's going to go. And 90% of the time, you cannot control where the deflection's going to go, even though it seems like Sidney Crosby just has the puck on a string or just has mind control over it sometimes. So you need those second and third chance opportunities, especially against the best team in the Western Conference. That's the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, the Penguins are 5-3-0 all time against Vegas. But Vegas right now is the top team in the Western Conference at 17-6-1 on the season. Uh, they shoot a lot. They have third most shots taken in the National Hockey League, but they also allow a lot of shots as they are 24th 
in shots allowed. Horwat, when you see this matchup, Alex Petrangelo will be out for the Vegas Golden Knights for personal reasons. But other than that, this is just, once again, a team to be feared after one season off. After one season off. Yeah, they're an impressive team all of a sudden. Again, it's a lot to do with the goaltending, I think. Mm-hmm. Logan Thompson? Am I getting the name right? Logan Thompson? Yeah. <clears throat> Logan Thompson's stolen the show over there because, like, I mean, they're missing guys still. I mean, Petrangelo's still out. Um, Robin Leonard was supposed to be the starter. Well, well, well. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of weird things that happened with that team that Logan Thompson stole the show, and but then there's also Jack Eichel who was kind of become Jack Eichel finally. Yeah, yeah, he, oh. he's he's back to heart level Jack Eichel. I don't know if he was ever that, but that's because he played in Buffalo. He could have been. That's for damn sure. He definitely could have been. Mm-hmm. So I don't. This could be an interesting team. They also you said they give up the most shots. Uh, they give up like ninth most shots. They give up a lot of shots. All right. No, that has nothing to do with the Penguins. They don't shoot enough. So, well, I mean, there might be more opportunities to shoot. I mean, that that's what I take from that. Like you, you need to shoot more pucks and this team allows a lot of shots. Perfect chance to get right for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, you mentioned Logan Thompson. Yeah. He's been very good. Uh, Aiden Hill has been okay in relief. You know, I think he has like a nine Oh five save percentage, nine Oh three, something like that. That's Okay as a backup goaltender in this league. But Logan Thompson's up over 920. He allows uh, under three goals per game. It's going to be difficult uh, to, to get the puck past him. And, and honestly, this Vegas team is so deep. And, and they're more healthy this year than they have been in a long time. Uh, we mentioned Petrangelo will be out for personal reasons on Thursday. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Nick Holden is out. Nolan Patrick is out. I mean, last year it was Petrangelo, Stone, Eichel yeah. was, was out for the beginning of the season. Even before Eichel was traded over there, Alex Tuck didn't play a game because he was hurt, the guy they traded away. So, uh, you know, they, they've dealt with injuries a lot last year, and they're not exempt from it. Obviously, Robin Leonard being out for the season is a horrible way to start their year, but Logan Thompson has stepped up, and this team, finally healthy under the tutelage of Bruce Cassidy, who, in my opinion, is one of the best head coaches in the National Hockey League. They're once again a scary team, and it's it's so fun to, for me. I, I looked up the uh, the Western Conference standings, and I was like, "Wow, the Pacific Division: Vegas and Seattle are one and two. That's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy." But the Las the Las Vegas Golden Knights are are a very very good team, um, and they're led, of course, like you mentioned, by by Jack Eichel, who has twenty six points in twenty four games. <laughs> yeah, he's Jack Eichel now. He yeah. is Jack Eichel, the one that he was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully the Pens can just get pucks on that because really they just need to simplify their entire game. It isn't just <clears throat> simplifying the power play. It really is just finding the simple plays as at five on five. We're a great five on five team. Jenny Crosby leading the league in five on five points. I wonder why. Because this power play can't do anything. Yeah. Oh man, we need to take advantage of the right opportunities. Evgeny Malkin continues to dance through people, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's great. It's great that we still have the skill on this team, but they're not, you know, recording great opportunities out of them. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. The Penguins are fifth in the National Hockey League in goal scoring. The problem is it's inconsistent. Yeah. We'll score six goals for a game for the first three weeks of the season. And then one goal, one goal, two goal, one goal, 
three goal, but gave up six. Like they need to find a little bit more consistency because they have the talent. They've shown it. And I think the biggest culprit of that is going to be the Penguins third line. They, they need consistency from that. It was nice. Yeah. It was nice to see Brock McGinn go out there and score five goals in seven games. It was great. He's back to being Brock McGinn now, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and nobody else has stepped up in, in his stead. Like Jeff Carter has not been consistently good. Kasperi Kapanen just got in the lineup for the first time in two weeks for a reason. And Danton Heinen just got benched for a reason. So you need some more consistency from your third line, which we've always mentioned when the Penguins win Stanley Cups. And I can point behind me three of these, probably all five of these banners that are behind me for the Penguins Stanley Cups. The reason was because of depth. Yes, they had very, very talented top sixes. They had some really important depth pieces that scored at important times, especially in the latter three. You know, Stalcook Kennedy, HBK. You look, 2017, you had even, I don't know, like you had Eric Fair scored a really important goal in the 2016 Stanley Cup Finals. So, trying to remember 2017. There, I mean, like... Tom Kunakel. I say Tom Kunakel, more or less the 2017 year was... Uh, Help was held along by the fourth line. Good old Scott Wilson, Tom Gunnacle. Scotty Wilson. Josh Archibald was on that team. It was a scratch, but yes, he was on that team. He was on the team. Oh, who was the, who was our center? Who was our fourth? Oh, Matt Cullen. Matt Cullen. There you go. There you go. And then, yeah, like the depth in the 90s was, it was Hall of Fame depth, but you yeah. Know, Brian Trachi at the end of his career was still amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was like huge names, but different situations. That being said, yeah. You don't win Stanley Cups without a solid bottom six. Yeah. I mean, look at every cup team in the past few years. Good bottom sixes. Some some better than others. Yeah, for sure. Like some highly skilled guys in the bottom six. Like you mentioned Phil Kessel on our third line in 2016. Yep. Uh, Yeah. You need your depth players. If it has to be a highly skilled guy, so be it. Yeah. That's your bottom six producing. That's what you need. Yeah, 2018, our, our good buddy Hockey Troll from the Caps Chirp Podcast, he always says, who was the linchpin to the 2018 Capital Stanley Cup? That's Lars Eller. I was going to say, wasn't it also Devontae Smith-Pelly? Devontae Smith-Pelly scored a lot of goals Yeah, that. I mean, 2019, you can look at it. Jaden Schwartz was amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know he's in their top, they're like top six, but he's like their sixth option, or was their sixth option. He's now in Seattle. But like the last couple of years, third line for, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's, you know, there's a reason that Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman got handed top six contracts for bottom six players because they won Stanley Cups and were very key pieces. So you need that. Mm-hmm. You, you need those types of players. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, listen, they have guys that could do that. Kapanen, Carter has some left in the tank, I would, I would have to imagine. I would hope. Uh, there's something that, that I was on social media. And again, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Jake on, on Penn's Twitter. And sorry, I don't have his handle readily available. He mentioned it, and I've said it several times, dating back to last season. Uh, why don't we try Teddy Bluger on the third line? I've been saying that for so long now. So long. Saying it for so long that I almost feel like it's, it's a hot take, but it's not. It shouldn't oh. be. Like, Teddy Bluger came back, and all of a sudden, the fourth line became better than the third line. Put him on the third line, see what happens. He might not be a goal scorer, but at least he's more of a facilitator. Oh, yeah. And you know there won't be opportunities given up against them. That's true. Anything anything will help this team. I think that's kind of the point we were at with the power play. Whenever we saw Russ get taken off, we're like, anything at this point. And that's kind of the same mood with this bottom six. Just anything will do. That's why I wasn't so angry about the Hine and Kapanen swap. Like, 
yeah, I don't didn't really necessarily want to see Kapanen back in the lineup getting 12 minutes a night, but Heinen hasn't been performing, so anything will do. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe by the end of the season, neither of those guys are, are out there. Maybe one of them's traded, one of them's a healthy scratch. Maybe that's Valtteri Pustinen's spot. Maybe that's Sam Poulin's spot. Maybe that's Alex Nylander's spot. Uh, hey. You never know because, listen, right now the Penguins are in a situation where they can't do anything, uh, but make no mistake, even though it's been five months since that, that last trade that brought in Jeff Petrie and it seems like Ron Hextall's been trying to make a trade ever since, uh, eventually something will happen. That, that is the business of it. When teams start to not have an outlook on their season, they'll start to uh, make trades to, to not help out other teams, but they'll open up the pocketbooks a little bit more and be more willing to, to open up trades and, and take on salary cap as the season goes on. But uh, we are running short. I will mention a couple things about the St. Louis Blues. They're 11-11-0 on the season. That's just the way that they've been. They're kind of changing their identity as an organization. For the longest time, the Blues have been this big Western Conference bruising type blues team uh, they're changing to being more of a finesse scoring team they're reframing around guys like robbie thomas and jordan Cairo, and they will be in town on saturday to take on the pittsburgh penguins but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast we'll be back on monday talking about both of these games and breaking down what is to come for the first full week of the month of december that's going to do it for this one we'll see you guys next week 